Hi, this is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells Kant. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening. See you next Tuesday podcast. I'm Jesse. I'm Amanda. And uh, we hope you're having a great week so far. We are. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, actually, we're having a pretty decent week. I'm having a decent day. Good. I mean, my week. Ugh. Go either way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do have announcements up top. If you probably heard on our other episodes, but we're going to be at the True Crime Podcast Festival in Dallas, Texas, August 26th, 27th, 28th. Yes. Um, come meet us. Come yeah. see us. We're going to have some swag. We will have swag there. I know. And it's super cute. It just got delivered to the house this week. <laughs> yeah. We're really excited. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to show y'all. And yes, eventually it will be available to everyone, but you can get the first dibs. Mm-hmm. So. Come see us in the big D. <laughs> Also, we have new Patreon episodes up this month for Video Killers, so be sure to check those out. Yes. What? I was really excited about mine. Uh-huh. I'm not going to tell you what it is, because you don't find out till the end. Exactly. So, definitely take a listen there. Um, any other updates? I think that was it, right? I think that's the only podcast updates. Okay, cool. Yeah. What about personal updates? Um, I watched a new show on Netflix that I thought was... So cute and fabulous, and I loved it, and I hope there's a season two. What? Maggie. Maggie? Yes. M-A-G-I? M-A-G-G-I-E, I think. Oh, oh okay, got it. Because there, there's another, there's an anime. I uh, think that's Magi, though. Girl, it is not anime. Okay, what is, what is it? <laughs> so, she's a psychic, and she's super cute, and she, when she touches you, she sees, like, psychic flashes or whatever. Uh-huh. And, of course, it's just this cute little show, and she lets it, like, create, like, little chaos-y things in her life, you know, because yeah. she thinks it's about her, and it's not about her, and then it affects her decisions. But it's just a cute little show. That sounds really nice. Yeah, I think it's super cute. I love it. Turn your brain off. No stakes. Mm-hmm. Don't have to worry about, oh, my God, this is a real person. Like, when you're watching a true crime documentary. Yeah. yeah. It is a cleanser for yes. after your true crime because you know what you can't do true crime all the time no no definitely not it's a lot so it uh, makes you really feel for the people who actually do have to do that as a job like ugh. then they can go home and watch maggie exactly mm-hmm. i have an update for you as well i completely binged actually pod hubs and i completely binged the bear in one day it's great, isn't it? Was it was fucking amazing. Highly recommend I it. I told you it was fucking amazing. I got chills and have had those nightmares a couple of times, so it was a little bit of a moment, a little triggered. If you've ever been in the service industry, you'll know it when you see it. You'll know it when you see it. You'll be like, oh my God. I'm literally getting chills right now thinking about that scene. But it's fucking amazing. But it's great. It is they nailed amazing. It. I can't wait till... Season, season two. two. Agreed. Because. Hurry see, up. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> tell me you got one already in the bank. I'm not going to tell you what happened. I'm not going to spoil it for you because it's a new show. Right. But it's fucking amazing. Everyone watched The Bear. I love Lip from Shameless in this show. He plays a completely different character. Does he? See, I haven't seen him on Shameless. So. 
Who's he on Shameless? What's his character like on Shameless? On Shameless, he's kind of a loser. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. But in this show, he's responsible. Yes, he's the he's the, the steady. <laughs> yes. If you yeah, straight man in the whole series. It was so well done. I also think I also love that well, in Shameless towards the end, he like gets better. Like he gets sober, he has a kid, like things go differently, but in this when he starts off as like res- Se- responsible he- and then going the other direction kind of. Yeah. You well, you have to watch it. Yeah. Watch it. Watch it. Chicago is such a big piece of this. Like, I which, fucking love that city. And mm-hmm. damn. Which is where Shameless was based. Oh, was it really? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's so good. Who, who, whoever wrote this show has worked in the industry. There is no chance that they have not. Or they, because they, like, they got the, the feeling of being in a hot kitchen correct. Yes. Which is so hard to do. Yes, and I would, and I can't wait to see how they take the. I can't think of her name. The other character. God dang it! I know the girl. They rarely say her name. I thought they say Sydney. Maybe I think so. That comes in. Yep. Mm-hmm. She is great. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait to see what happens with her. The pastry chef. <gasps> yes, I can't wait for that. Oh, I love him. The He's cousin. Great. Which, don't get me wrong, I'm fifty-fifty on him. I, Most of the time, I want to punch him in the fucking face. No, I want to punch him in the fucking face the but, entire show. He got to go, but he's just gonna bring. Okay, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, know, I, know. I don't know his. <laughs> okay, I just want to call him Lip from Shameless. He's uh-huh. just gonna bring Lip down. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh God, what was his name? Well, they call him Bear. Yes, he's just gonna bring Bear down. Yeah. Like I just. Anyway, we're we, we, again. Spoiler alert. <laughs> We really love the show because we've been servers before for a long, well, you for longer than me, actually, too. Yeah. So yeah. It brings back a lot of memories. A lot of good memories, though, too, because I will say there's something about being in that fire together. I it's mean, it's like ride or die, if that makes sense with those people. Like, I still talk and think about those people more than any other coworkers I've ever had. Like, you don't get that same thing from corporate job. No. You just don't. No. <laughs> I mean, and that's how we met. Yeah, that's how you and I met. Yeah. So that's, again, hey, the podcast would not exist if it weren't for the fucking food industry. So. Exactly right. So holla out to my food industry people out there. We see you. We tip you. We get you. Are stressed as fuck right now. I cannot imagine. Yeah. I, if you see me walk in, I'm going to tip you fat. Yeah, dude. Because we just get it. It's Give hard. me the bill, not the pod, hubby. <laughs> yeah. When you see... Don't you remember whenever you see like a phone or a calculator come out or you see them start to write stuff down at the end, you're like, are you, it's 20, move the zeros. It's 20, move the zeros. Like Move the zero, double it. Move the decimal, double it, add $10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Add 15 because you liked me, remember? Or $20, whatever. But yeah, you're like, fuck me. Yeah. Then I'm like, I ain't even like coming back for you. I'm just going to move on. We're going to move on. I'm assuming it's going to be pennies on the, so whatever. Yeah. Congratulations. You, you won this round. Congratulations. You are Ugh. now the douchebag of the day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So this is episode 60. Yes. Which is weird to think about. Yes. Because I feel like it's, we don't really talk about, oh, this episode this anymore because, I mean, we're at that point. It's kind of like after a certain number of tattoos, you're like, how many do you have? You're like, ah, it's whatever. That's where I'm at in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. 
Hell yeah. Once you get past that point. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, they're about to all start running together into one giant one. Great. I can't wait. You're going to be all tatted. I just think it's funny. I just keep trying to fill this one spot and it keep, and those are jumping to the other arm. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, right here is where I want this one tattoo. And then you're like, actually, no, let's put it over here. <laughs> no, because they're like, well, we could put that there, but... It's and like, gonna that look- makes sense. Okay, we have to move it. That's yeah. cool. I'm cool with that. And then it moves to the other arm. I feel like the universe is saying, no, sweetie, I got something bigger and better planned for this arm. Yeah. Which it actually sounds like you might. Maybe. We'll TBD. S- yeah, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Proud of you. I got a new tattoo yesterday that was supposed to go in the hole, <laughs> like the last one I got, and it got moved to the other arm. Not in your actual hole. No, no, that'd no. be incredibly painful to get a tattoo there, but... No, in the blank spot on my left arm. Correct. I've now tried to get two tattoos in the blank spot on my left arm that have gotten moved to my right arm. So instead of finishing the sleeve I was working on on my left arm, I've started second sleeve on my right arm. I'm going to assume this is all part of a master plan you have to just continually get tattoos without pot hubby knowing that you're accidentally getting moved to another arm because girl, don't play. No, I didn't plan that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just wink at me. Come no, on. No, no. Uh-huh. I didn't plan that. <laughs> I didn't plan that because you were there when I was like... Yeah, I know. Okay, we'll just do okay, this. we're going to go over here now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So, speaking of true crime, you're up first today. I know. Are and you excited about I am. this cunty? Well, I'm saying cuntlet, really, it's, for these guys, right? It's cuntlet. Yeah, y'all are our cunties. Y'all are our cunties, and I'm not going to tell a story about one of you guys, because you There's haven't told like me that. you committed murder yet, but if you were in jail and committed murder, it's P.O. Box 472. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to shame on them. No, Mr. Ma'am, that's not correct. Oh, murder's never the answer, but you've already done it, so, so yeah, I no, want to hear about it. Yeah, exactly. I want to hear about it. I'll be your pin pal. <laughs> tell me all the deets, and then I'll tell your story. <laughs> uh, I ain't got no shame. So, let me tell you about my cutlet today. I had to put my reading glasses on. Sorry. I'm old. <laughs> so... William, Bill, and Faith Kinkle had their second child on August 30th, 1982 in Springfield, Oregon. Um, They could not imagine what was in store for their future when Kirkland Philip Kinkle, or Kip, joined six-year-old Kristen completing the Kinkle family. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, please address the Kip situation. Go. First of all, it's Kip and Kristen with the K's. Uh-huh. And uh, Kip Kinkle and Kristen Kinkle, they did those kids no favors. At least they changed their middle name. Otherwise, it would have been KKK. Oh, But, God. dude, are you kidding? I mean, I mean, Kiplin. Uh, Kip. It just sounds like a like an Eastern, East Coast, like. But we're on the West Coast. Oh, we, where are we again? Springfield, Oregon. Oh, okay. I was in Springfield, Missouri. For Gypsy Rose. Yeah. Now I'm in Springfield, Oregon. Okay. Didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> God. I did on purpose. I did on purpose, yeah. everyone. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to go with. So Bill and Faith were both Spanish teachers, in, and in 1986 to 1987, they took the family on a sabbatical to Spain. While in Spain, Kip spent a year in a non-English-speaking elementary school. 
Kip had a hard time learning because of this. Here's why I'm confused. Because if his parents were both Spanish teachers and took their family to Spain for a time to live, why the fuck were they not teaching their children Spanish at home? They weren't? That's, that is odd. Right? Because they see the value of another language. They're teaching it. Right. They're living there. Right. Interesting. I don't know. That's interesting. I'm a little confused. Hmm. But anywho... Um, when the family returned to Springfield, Kip had to repeat the first grade due to his immaturity and lack of development physically and emotionally. Great. I'm all for that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're just not ready. That's fine. But I also want to say, back in the 80s, if your kid turned five before school started, you started school. But yes. nowadays, parents... Who have kids with birthdays close to the school start date, like Kip did, will hold their kids back another year before starting school because of the maturity level issue. Okay. That makes sense. They're just not ready yet for that part. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, that's so. Also back in the 80s, school didn't start until September. And now school starts um, in early to mid-August. So, I would be willing to bet um, Kip would start school a year later now than they did back then. Yeah. So, Kip's birthday was in, was August 30th. So, he started school probably right as he turned five. Yep. Whereas nowadays, he probably wouldn't start until the next year when he turned six. Right. Because he wouldn't be five before school started. He would only be four. Right. Exactly. So, I think that he probably was too young to start school in the grand scheme of things. So, in the second grade, Kip had disadvantages in motor motor skills and in spelling. Also, his frustration and anxiety was so high, he was tested to see if he was eligible for the special ed services. But he got an average score, and on the neurologist's Average score on the neurological, say the word. Neurological? Yes, thank you. Hmm? Screening, so he didn't qualify. Oh, so he was just, he was right out of both groups. Just enough to where they couldn't place him in a place to help him. Right. At the time. Right. Now, probably have different things. Probably. Okay. Which shocks me that they even tested him, to be completely honest. Because it's the 80s. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Again, it was like a... Bootstrap it. Let's go. Pay attention. Exactly right. (laughs) So in the third grade, Kip's problems in writing and spelling continued, but he was doing great in math. But Kip's parents um, weren't satisfied with the previous year's test results, so they had him tested again. And this time, he did qualify for the special ed services. And by the end of the year, he was doing much better academically, and he had control of his frustrations. Good. Probably because he was giving, like, special accommodations that helped him in the classroom. Yep. So, finally, by the fourth grade, Kip was diagnosed with dyslexia. Y'all, the 80s. Kids were not tests for this shit. No. Like, it was an afterthought. Like, literally. My, one of my sons, they started watching him for it. 
in kindergarten. Right. Like they wouldn't, they couldn't test him till second grade, but they started what? No, I think third grade, but they started watching him in the kindergarten and first grade through second grade. Mm -hmm. And he was basically already diagnosed. They just couldn't test him until he was in a certain grade level, Mm -hmm. but we were already there. Mm -hmm. They didn't do that in the fucking eighties. No. And the way I transpose stuff. Mm-hmm. Right here. Yep. <laughs> Undiagnosed 80s kid. Mm-hmm. So by the time Kip was entering middle school, he was already starting to get in trouble. In the seventh grade, Kip and some of his friends purchased... A hair crimper? And crimp their own hair? <laughs> the anarchist cookbook oh, online shit. at school. Everybody... Okay, first of all, every... Everybody wanted or knew somebody or there was a rumor that they had that book it was like the book it was like the forbidden book you know what i mean like there was always this like rumor of this guy who would hang around the school who was super cool but like on drugs who had it or something you know what i mean there were these rumors all the time back then about that well i mean they they weren't the brightest bulbs in the box because they purchased it at the school yeah that was pretty dumb but hey you know 12 or 13 year old is but that's how they got caught. Yeah. Did. yeah. Don't do it at the computer lab at school, homie. Yeah. Which you... now, again, computer lab, I don't think that exists anymore. It's just school. Yeah. <laughs> the school is. I mean, we had computer labs. Yes. We played Oregon Trail. Yes, we did. Lots and lots of hours of Oregon Trail. Oh, I loved Oregon Trail. Me too. I don't think I ever made it to the end. Mm-mm. So in the eighth grade, he was caught shoplifting CDs from Target. Um, let me tell you what a CD is, everyone. <laughs> no, they're coming back around. Don't worry. They know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're bringing them back. Yeah, they're bringing them back. Why? I don't know. How are you going to play it? Because they like scratched things and they want to carry around a giant Discman where it says it's skip proof, but it's really fucking not. Trust me. I tried to take it on a jog once, you dick. <laughs> so. I mean, and the big black. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I have a mic right now. <laughs> so... I wrote, oh, got distracted, but then I wrote, what a rookie. You don't shoplift things with little sensors in them. Yeah, Amanda, you want to tell us how we actually do shoplift there, Amanda? You don't shoplift the things with the sensors that are going to go off when you leave the store. So that's how this dumb shit got caught. You shoplift the things that don't have the sensors. Right. Don't do that. But you don't shoplift. No. I'm going to change it to crime is never the answer. There you go. Wow, there we go. <laughs> Fixed it. <laughs> Unbeknownst to anyone, Kip was unable to purchase... If you say a gun. A sawed-off shotgun from a friend that he had hid in his bedroom. Okay. I have so many fucking pre- questions. What friend owns a sawed-off shotgun that he could purchase as a seventh grader? Who are these kids? Where are their parents? How did they not notice guns exchanging hands? Oregon. True crime cat lawyer. You live in the Pacific Northwest. Help. Help us. How did this happen? Seriously. So many questions. So many questions. Okay. January 4th, 1997... Kip and a friend were snowboarding. We're at a snowboarding clinic in Bend, Oregon. Snowboarding. Innocent. Yeah. They didn't do anything wrong, did they? I hope not. 
The pair got arrested for throwing rocks at cars driving on a highway when one of the rocks struck a car. Do not do that, guys. We recently had incidents here in and around Austin, Texas, and somebody got killed. Yeah. So you can seriously hurt someone. Do yeah. not do that, ever. Yeah. So no one knows who actually threw the rock at the car. Kip says it was his friend. Of course Kip did, because Kip is a little sociopath. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were both arrested and charged. And because of this, Faith took Kip to see Dr. Jeffrey Hicks, a psychologist. Now, Dr. Hicks didn't find any signs of a thought disorder or psychosis, but diagnosed Kip with major depressive disorder. And in Dr. Hicks's notes, he said Kip became, and I'm quoting, tearful when talking about his father, who he had a strange relationship with. Of course he did, because he's a little sociopath. He's going to say whatever you want him to say to get out of whatever he's in. Yes, facts. And I'm equating Dr. Hicks with my favorite forensic psychologist, Park Dietz. Uh-oh. Oh, God. I'm getting all worked up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm getting really upset, and I'm not even like, I don't even know how far through, because I know what happens. So later on February 26, 1997, y'all... I graduated high school in 1997. <laughs> I'm feeling real old. Kip's parents took him to see a different psychologist, Dr. John Crumley, who said that Kip was acting remorseful over thro- the rock throwing in- incident because he's a sociopath. In the end, Kip was sentenced to, you want to take a guess? Six months probation. 32 hours of community service for this little debacle. 32 hours? Dude, you could do that in like a week. You could knock that shit out in two days. Yeah. The hell? Okay, sure. Yeah. Do we have... Here's the thing. Like... Oh, God. Here's my lighter and my stress relief candle. Yeah. Freaking... It's... I have so much to say here. I don't know. Say it, girl. Say it. I just feel like there's a different, like once a kid starts to do things like this, there's a difference between being frustrated and not being able to learn, which is a very understandable frustration. Correct. To, I am now making decisions for myself, which he is. Yes, he's a kid. Fine. You're making terrible decisions. You're hanging out with the wrong crowd. All of these things, yes, are happening. But I feel like, like you said, it's giving me sociopathic vibes. I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. I'm manipulating the people around me as well. Correct. I am the center of my own little universe here of crime. Okay. So Kip continued to see Dr. Hicks, and allegedly he was improving. And I say allegedly because on April 23rd, 1997, he was suspended for two days for assaulting a student after Kip was shoved by him. Mm-hmm. Then six days later, on April 29th, he was suspended for three days after throwing a pencil at another student. So this is escalation. Yeah, he's just continually getting worse and worse and acting however the hell he wants. Yes. Ready for this little fun, fun Kip fact? Hmm. In Kip's middle school yearbook, do you know what he was named most likely to... Don't tell me we had terrible things like most likely to commit a crime or something. I'm quoting 
Most likely two. Do you want to take a guess? Oh, God. No, no. Because I don't think you can guess this. I hope not. No. Start World War Three. What the fuck? The fact that they even put that in the fucking middle school yearbook. Man. The 90s was a hell of a time. See, this wasn't even that far removed, man. And it's so... It's just a different universe, isn't it? You could, if that were in a yearbook today, oh my God, the parents alone, the the amount of noise that would be made on social media alone would be incredible. That would go viral in a second. In a second. Lord. Yeah, that's not good. Don't worry, everyone. It's not good. I lit my stress relief candle because I need it right now. I'm smelling the lavender. I think we both need it. (laughs) Because it's about to get a whole lot fucking worse. This story is about to get worse. Everyone, sit down. Grab your favorite blankie. Grab your lovey. You need it. So June 2nd, 1997, Dr. Hicks recommended putting Kip on Prozac. Okay. That's a major drug for a child. Is it? I don't I don't know. Because I hear kids on it all the time. So I'm like, you so, tell me. Okay. There's different levels of antidepressants. Uh-huh. And like Prozac is one of the ones that can make you just stop feeling things altogether. Okay. It's pretty strong. Yeah. Got it. Okay. But it seemed to work for Kip. Great. Great. Good. 25 days later, on June 27th, Kip was allowed, allowed to purchase a 9mm Glock 19 semi-automatic pistol. Kip was only 15 years old, but he didn't purchase this by himself. Dr. Hicks was unaware of this gun purchase, but Bill, his father, knew. In fact, At first, Bill didn't allow guns to be in the house, but changed his mind to allow Kip to take a gun safety class. Let's circle back to who bought this gun for him. Bill bought the gun, an attempt to redirect his fascination with weapons into a supervised hobby. No, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this fucking works. Yeah, of the supervised hobbies to redirect uh, if my child's fascinated with weapons, I'm not going to buy him those fucking weapons. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's also fascinated how, because there's a difference between collectors, like actual collectors mm-hmm. and people who appreciate the mechanics of it and gun nuts. You know what I'm saying? The people yeah. who are like, this is my personality now. This is who I am. Or like the people who are like trying to say that. A gun essentially should have as many rights as a human essentially should have. And it's like, no, pretty sure life is a little more important than a physical object that can kill people. But yes, it's... He's a 15-year-old. 15, man. With anger issues who has acted out aggressively on, what are we at, three different... He has a history and you're going to give him a weapon. It's not a good idea, Dad. Yeah. He already has a sawed-off shotgun hidden under his bed from you? Like, come on, man. This is all bad. July 30th, Kip's emotional levels improved, and he stopped counseling. 
hello, it's the Prozac, Prozac, and you shouldn't have stopped the counseling. Absolutely not. <gasps> so Kip then bought a 22 Ruger MK2 semi-automatic pistol from a friend and hid it from his parents. Yet again, how is this 15-year-old child from? buying a gun from other children? Exactly. Like, what, what the fuck? black market is this is does this just happen i mean this is terrifying so i don't understand like keep your guns locked up people yeah seriously this is actually really serious like, okay please keep your guns locked up not only okay i'm going to get on my soapbox right now i'm gonna tell you i have guns in my home hmm? i do my guns are locked up not only are my guns locked up but from the time they came in my house, we educated our children on gun safety. Mm-hmm. Not a toy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the whole nine yards. When they were old enough, did we allow them to go to the range with us? Yes, we did. Why is part of gun safety? Teaching them how to safely use a gun, shoot a gun, get familiar with a gun. You want to know why? Then they understand it's not a taboo thing to where they want to play with it. Right. And also having that education is important. If a gun is ever turned on them, they can understand, especially if they know, as shitty as it sounds, how many rounds a gun has or what it looks like when the safety is on or off can mean the difference in our country between life and death, as you know. And knowing how to be around a gun in a safe manner is also important for them because... To your point, let's just say they are at a friend's house who's handling a gun like a crazy person and pointing it at people, even if it's unloaded, they can be like, hey, chill, you know, like, don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Exactly right. So protecting themselves, protecting others, it's just like sex education. Knowledge is power. And in this case, it's the power to keep yourself and others safe. Yes. And it's not like if they happen to find the guns, it's not... Oh, it's the gun. It's mm-hmm. I'm load gonna, it and see what happens. It's now like a, I want to play with it because uh-huh. it's so taboo. I'm not allowed to touch it. I'm not allowed to play with it. I'm not allowed to find it. Mm-hmm. No, they know we have it. They fired it. They know what to do with it. It's not like I said a taboo situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. So on that note, please, please lock up your guns. Like yes, yes, your kids know where they're at. Trust me. Trust me. Like, yes. Because I, I knew ours was under the bed when I was a little kid in our parents' house, and it was, I was terrified of it. I mean, in my own neighborhood, three streets down, I had two teenage girls. Both got shot with a gun mm-hmm. in their house. The parent is, was charged. The girl was charged. One died. Wow. So, yes, they know they're there. Yeah. And if you make it taboo, that only makes it more enticing. Absolutely. So, you know. Education is important. And also, just be as aware as possible as a parent. I know that's really easily said from someone who's not a parent. But definitely, if you if you smoke and fire, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just pay attention. I mean, you know, it just... Yeah. These things like this frustrate me because this child had all the red flags that you shouldn't buy him a gun. Like you should never buy your 15-year-old child a gun. No. That's, um, <laughs> yeah. 
But again, these are our opinions, views. Yes. And we respect yours. We love life and the lives of those around us <laughs> that we love. Yeah. So we're trying to preserve it as much as possible. Yes. I just, yep. I'm about to tell you something horrific. So SP everybody, if you're. Well, I'm going to tell you before the real SP hits because okay. it gets. It gets bad, then it gets even worse. But anyhow, that fall, Kip started high school, and he actually excelled academically, which was a shock to me, because he was a shithead. And then he was invited to join the freshman football team. That is a great outlet for all of his aggression. Absolutely. Put that motherfucker on the football field. Do it. Get ready to get mad. September 30th, 1997. Bill then bought Kip a 22 Ruger 10-22 semi-automatic rifle and a hunting knife. Bill bought him gun number two and three. No, gun number two and a hunting knife. So Kip then started hanging out with a rougher bunch of kids and also playing with explosives, saying it was a means to vent his anger. I'm sorry, you should have vented your anger on the football field. Did Playing with the... That's not... No. That's not how that works at all. So, during this time period in history is when a horrible rash of school shootings started to happen. And so, I'm going to kind of tell you about a couple because it pertains to the story. So, you might want to hit the skip ahead button if you don't want to hear about them. I don't really want to talk about them. It just kind of pertains to my story. It so. helps to put it in context. Yes. Um, I'm not going to tell you all the details. I'm just going to tell you what happened in order that happened. But you feel free to skip ahead. So first, um, on October 1st, in Pearl, Mississippi, there was a 16-year-old who was who stabbed and bludgeoned his mom to death and then killed two students and injured seven others at Pearl High School. Next, in West Podow, Kentucky, on December 1st, a 14-year-old killed three students and injured five others at Heath High School. Then, in March, on March 24th, 1998, in Craighead County, Arkansas, at Westside Middle School, Two students killed four of their classmates and a teacher. So Kip and his friend were watching the media coverage of the Arkansas tragedy, and they both commented that this was, and I'm quoting, pretty cool. In May, Kip and several of his friends toilet papered a house using 400 rolls of toilet paper to beat a school record. Okay, I don't think this is delinquent behavior. I think it's fucking hilarious. Um, I mean, I toilet papered houses as a kid. Who didn't? I mean, they met their goal. They got caught. It's, I think that's some funny shit. I think that's typical teenage behavior. Yeah, that's, that's not like the other stuff he was doing where it was like violence against others and just being a total jerk. This is just like, haha, you know, like you said, it's, they were trying to beat the record of the most rolls of toilet paper used to toilet paper a house it's yeah. like it, that is innocent teenage behavior like i wish he that was like the worst that he ever did yes agreed 
Yeah. Like, yes. I think that's hilarious. Like, how did they get that much toilet paper? I, 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 did they go to the local Costco? Like, <laughs> right. Did he use his mo- cost- mom's Costco card and like load up <laughs> eight carts? Like, can you imagine them rolling the flatbed pallet out of toilet yeah. paper? Like, and, like the cashier's like, uh huh. You the know cashier's what I mean? like, no teenagers do, do, this do, amount. Do, do, do. I just had five teenagers buy three <laughs> flatbeds of toilet paper. Right. Um, you might want to watch out tonight. Yeah, exactly. You know, I fucking think that's hilarious. Like, that's the funniest thing in this whole story. I which thank God. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I thought I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm kind of jelly. I never used 400 rolls before. I kind of want to be like challenge accepted, bro. Right. You want to go to Costco, just. <laughs> I'm honestly pretty tired, so. My parents don't have cameras. Oh, shit. Well, now I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) So May 19th, 1998, Kip arranged for the purchase of a stolen 32 Beretta semi-automatic pistol from another student. Lord almighty. Corey Ewert. First of all, yet again with the kids buying guns from other kids. Like, I don't understand. Like, seriously, like, there's this whole... He's bought gun, three guns from three different other children at yes. the time. That's yes. insane. The next day at 8 a.m., Kip met Corey and bought the gun for $110. First of all, if I could buy a gun for $110, sign me the fuck up. Um, and hid it in his locker. A little while later, Scott... Keeney, the owner of the gun, called the school and told them his gun was missing and that he believed one of his son's friends stole the gun. Scott is okay. the hero Thank of you, this story. That's what you do. That is the correct behavior from an adult, finally. Thank you, Scott. Scott, you are the hero in the story. That's all I'm going to say. You're the responsible adult. I mean, because you know what? Kids can always guess your code to the safe. You know what I mean? Sure. If you have a smart kid, they can go... You know what? My parents are going to totally use their birthdays, my birthday, their social, whatever. Anniversary. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, by 9.15, an hour and 15 minutes after buying the gun, Kip was confessing to Detective Al Worthen, who just happened to be at the school, that he had the gun. Both Kip and Corey were arrested, suspended from school, and pending expulsion. Thank God that detective was there. At that exact moment. I have a feeling he was probably like an on-campus police officer type situation. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know for a fact. I'm just guessing. Um, Were they there at this point? Because this is pre-2000. You know what I mean? I graduated in 97 and we had an on-campus police officer. Okay. Okay. I went to a big school though. All right. Yeah. So I don't know how big this school was, but... You had one. I had so one. So it's possible. Okay, it's possible. that makes sense. So Bill picked up Kip at 3 p.m. and threatened to send him to boarding school if he didn't change his behavior. All right, Bill. You're like, I'm done. You are being a little shithead. I can't take your bullshit anymore. Bill, you should have done that. Like two guns ago? Yeah, five guns ago. I don't know. Seriously. So at 3.30 p.m., Kip grabbed his Ruger 10-22 rifle, which is the one Bill bought him, and killed Bill with a shot to the back of his head while he sat at the kitchen table drinking his coffee. Yeah, that's what I was hoping wouldn't happen. 
Kip then dragged Bill's body to the bathroom and covered it with a sheet. Kip sat and waited for Faith. While waiting, he got phone calls for Bill and told them he was just not available at the moment. Faith returned home at 6.30 p.m. to Kip standing at the top of the garage stairs. While she walked up them, Kip told Faith he loved her and shot her with the same rifle he used to shoot Bill. He then dragged her body across the garage and covered it with a sheet. The next morning, Kip listened to... I knew I was not going to be able to say this. Libby Stodd by Richard Wagner, the song from the 1996 version of Romeo and Juliet. This actually from Tristan and, and Isolde. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's a great. Oh, fuck, that movie was so good. So, what I'm about to tell you next, you might want to bow out now. It's about to get real bad. Real bad. He then left the house. Ship haul hole. It's more like a shit sinkhole. Plus a shit storm? Plus a shit tornado. Mm. It's about to get real bad. He then left the house in a long, long trench coat that held his three guns. He had his hunting knife strapped to his leg and... 1,127 rounds of ammo in his backpack. Kip then drove face Ford Explorer to Thurston High School. He parked on 61st Street, two blocks from the school, and took a shortcut through a dirt path. At 7.55 a.m., Kip entered the school and fired two shots into the hallway with the rifle he used to kill his parents, and shot and injured Ben Walker and Ryan Atbury. Kip then ran into the cafeteria, which had about 200 students at the time. Kip fired the remaining 48 shots in the rifle into the crowd, killing Michaela Nicholson and injuring 22 others. Two were critically injured. Kip then aimed directly at Michael Crowley and tried to shoot him, but the magazine was empty. Kip was trying to switch magazines, and then the absolute hero of the story, a bigger hero than the dad who turned in his son's friend for the stolen gun, 17-year-old Jacob Riker, tackled Kip to the ground. (laughs) And then Jacob's brother Joshua, and then Doug and David Ure, Adam Wahlberger, and at least one other student joined in to pin Kip down. This just pissed Kip off, and in retaliation, he grabbed his 9mm Glock 19 and fired several shots. He hit and injured Jacob and one other student. I don't know which student, but they were still able to completely subdue him. Thank God. Nine minutes later, at 8.04 a.m., Officer Dan Bishop was the first one to arrive on the scene, and arrested Kip. Oh, wow. He, he went in the building uh-huh. and actually arrested him? Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's what it's supposed to look like? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Kip was taken to the police station at 8.50 a.m. and locked in the interview room. Even though Kip was handcuffed, he was able to get a hold of the hunting knife he had attached to his leg. And when Detective Al Worthen came back into the room, remember Detective mm-hmm. Al? Yep. Kip threatened him with the knife and charged at him. Detective Al was like... Oh, hell fucking no. 
go fuck yourself and pepper sprayed him when he attempted to slash his wrist with a knife. And another detective knocked the knife away. Hell yeah, dude. See, this is where Kip finally hits a wall. Because up until now, he's been getting away with some bullshit. Let's Mm -hmm. be real. He's been getting away with a lot. And he finally stepped up to the wrong fucking person. Detective Al. No, (laughs) ma'am. Detective Al was like, go fuck yourself. Uh Uh-huh. So, first he tried to come at Detective Al. Then he tried to slash his own wrist. And Detective Al was like, you ain't getting it out now. Nope. And sprayed him with pepper spray. Knocked the knife away. He was like, you're going to pay for what you've done. Good. 9.30 a.m., three county lane sheriffs arrived at the Kinkle family home because they were, like, going to get the parents, right? Yeah. That's when they discovered Bill and Faith's bodies. But that's not all they found. They found Four homemade bombs made of Coke cans and one made out of a fire extinguisher. Jeez. They immediately evacuated 15 houses nearby and the bombs were detonated. Then they found two stashes of inactive bombs, one in the crawl space beneath the porch and one in Kip's bedroom. Kip's parents knew he was making bombs, um, just like Bill bought him his guns. Um, all these things could have been prevented uh, because Bill was buying him guns. I'm sorry. Wait, I just have to reel back. They also, you, when you mentioned they, he had explosives as a hobby, I thought his parents maybe didn't know about that. They knew about that. They knew he was built. Okay. We come don't, on, guys. We don't victim shame. No, but come but on. Bill could have prevented this entire... <sighs> scenario literally that's not a hobby that's not a hobby guys i'm sorry like a hobby is crocheting yeah shit um puzzle making literally anything like making bombs literally woodworking yes um podcasting art if i knew my child was making homemade bombs i wouldn't be like cool let me get you some more supplies yeah let's go hobby lobby literally Bill could have prevented this entire thing from happening. Wow, guys, come on. So, I hate to blame Bill. Yeah. But really? He, he, he unfortunately yes, held some responsibility in this. Yes. He did. He was getting guns behind Bill's back. Of course, yeah. But Bill also bought him several guns, mm-hmm. the knife, and knew he was making bombs. Yeah, the, the, he, all the signs were there. He just wasn't paying attention. Damn. So, here are some other things. They found a hand grenade, casings to two howitzer shells. So, I had to hit the Google machine on this one. Oh, the howitzer shells? Yeah, uh-huh. from like, what, the 40s? So, a howitzer is a long-range weapon um, falling in between a cannon and a mortar. Mm-hmm. So, it's not like um, a little handgun He, he could casing. not have fired this without this massive... But he probably Thing, could device. have used it in his bomb making. Probably. To make a giant bomb. Yeah. Fireworks and unspecified chemicals. This child was dangerous. Yeah. And they're probably unspecifying because they don't want you to make this fucking shit at home by reporting it on the news. Yeah. 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 I mean. So May 22nd, 1998, Kip was arranged and charged with 58 felony counts. Including four counts of aggravated murder and 25 counts of attempted murder. So, this is where things get interesting. 
During the arraignment, the defense, of course, had mental health experts say Kemp was mentally ill at the time of his killing spree. And psychologist Dr. William H. Sack even said that the events could have been prevented if his mental health issues had been recognized and treated earlier. I say they could have been prevented if people locked up their guns so kids couldn't sell them to each other, but tomato, tomato. Dr. Jeffrey Hick was like, oh, I'm sorry, I treated him, and he testified that Kip was, and I quote, in satisfactory mental health by the time his parents stopped his therapy. But he stopped therapy, and I'm like, well, did he stop taking his meds as well? So that's just some food for thought. Well, he actually did stop taking his Prozac three after three months because his depression improved. Yeah, this is the problem. Keep taking your meds, y'all. Your, your depression improved because, because you were taking the, the meds. Right, and it does take a, a while for your brain to accept that chemical correctly. So yeah, about three months in, you're like, I'm feeling great. Life is good. You and know? then you stop taking the meds and then you go back. So you have to keep taking the meds to yes. keep feeling good and being normal. Exactly. Keep taking the meds. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Um, Hick was like, I'm sorry, fuck you. I did treat him. He was perfectly fine. The when problem is him. they stopped seeing me and stopped taking the meds. And then, you know what? In his defense, that's... Yes, he's actually right. He's like, look, I only hold half of this. This is a two-way street. Yeah. They have to come to me. I can't go to I, them. I can't chase them down. Correct. That's not how this job works. It, it's like that <laughs> it John Cusack way. movie um, from the 80s, Better Off Dead, with oh, the yeah. newspaper kid chasing him around town. I want my $2. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Dr. Hicks can't chase them no. around town going... Come back and see me. Take your meds. How's your mental health? Yeah, you know. <laughs> yes. So, you know. So, September 24th, 1999, Kip pled guilty to all counts. He was charged with and sentenced to 111 years in prison without the possibility of parole. During his hearing, Kip did apologize for, mit- for committing the killings. Oh, he was sorry. That's great. I love that journey for him. I mean, of course he said he was sorry. He's a sociopath. That's what everybody wanted him to say, so he did. So almost 10 years after the killings, on June 19th, 2007, Kip tried to get a new trial, saying his lawyers didn't take his case to trial and use the insanity defense. So basically he was like, my lawyers wouldn't go to trial with the insanity defense. They just had me plead guilty. Um, which, I'm sorry, if you're the one who's saying that and bringing that up, then you just negated your own insanity defense, hon. Mm-hmm. So Dr. William Sack, remember that guy? Yep. And clinical psychologist Dr. Orlin Bolstad supported these claims, saying, stating that Kip showed signs of paranoid schizophrenia that he managed to hide after seeing it was an abnormality, an obstacle to leading a social life. Okay. I don't know anybody with paranoid schizophrenia, but I don't think that's something you can just hide. No. Um, if it's that bad, then it would be at a point where you would, it would be very noticeable, I would assume, again, or assuming, 
And you'd have to be on a different kind of medication than Prozac completely. Exactly right. So according to these good doctors who I'm putting on the same level as Park Dietz with their bullshit, who only evaluated him and didn't treat him, he experienced hallucination and maintained delusions. Allegedly, some of these included... Ready for some of his hallucination and delusions? The Walt Disney Company trying to take control of the U.S. and the government, implanting a computer chip inside of his brain. Well, that's clearly happening. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably actually Disney Plus. Look at that. Mm-hmm, See? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Two months later, Kip's request was denied, but he appealed saying he had ineffective assistance in counsel during the initial trial. January 12, 2011, the Oregon Court of Appeals denied that appeal, too. Oregon's like, fuck you, Kip. Fuck you and your bullshit. First, you tried insanity, and then you convinced these doctors you were having delusions. I could go to a doctor and be like, I think Disney implanted a chip in my brain. Doesn't mean I really believe it. It means I'm trying to make you think I'm crazy. Yeah, because when they evaluated him... When he was in prison? Uh-huh. Yeah, so he at this point, he's had plenty of time to practice. He's, plenty of time to read. Yes. Clearly. Plenty of time for other prisoners to be like, bro, this is what you need to do. Yep. So, no, dude. So, um, Kip is still currently incarcerated at the Oregon State Correctional Institute in Salem, Oregon. But... I do have a little fun fact about Kip that I didn't know where to put it into my story so i'm gonna tell you now faith and bill actually felt like there was something wrong with kip from an early age at a dinner party faith once told friends that kip would follow the rules and behave when it suited him and he knew he would get a reward with positive attention and liked that but when kip had his mind set on something the word no had zero meaning And Faith said she worried her son had no conscience. Ooh, shit. Ooh. Yeah, so he knew. He he knew that his actions were wrong. But like you said, like, that's a sociopath. But he felt nothing towards them. Like, he knows in society what right and wrong is, but don't care either way. Just like he was playing Dr. William Sack and Dr. Orlin Bolstad, who only evaluated him in prison, Mm -hmm. didn't treat him for an extended time, only came in, evaluated him probably a couple of handful of times to give him this quote-unquote paranoid schizophrenia diagnosis. Yeah. Who, he probably said, oh, this has been happening to me my entire life. I just hit it because I wanted to be normal. And, you know, if if you're really good at it, you can fool psychologists, psychiatrists, mental health, you name it. You can, you can fool a lot of people. And and a lot of serial killers do actually fool a lot of those people who are there to evaluate them thinking, oh, they're fine. What was his name? Um, Kemper. Ed Kemper. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah. He was so good at it. He became one of their assistants. Mm -hmm. He was so good at snowing those guys saying, oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm totally normal. Totally fine. And he went out and killed like what? Seven women? Yeah. (laughs) When he got out of the mental institution. Come on. I mean, and he's fooling them 
trying to make them think that he is crazy to get out of prison because he's not going to stop killing. I mean, he was at 15 starting an arsenal. Oh, yeah. Think about that. Yeah. At 15, he was starting an arsenal and starting to build bombs. It's not good. He's not on a good path. I mean, (laughs) I don't think that that what he did was his end game. I think he got pissed off because his dad threatened to send him to what boarding school. And that was the one time in his life he acted impulsively. But he actually probably had a very different end game. Yeah, I think so too. It sounds like to me it was what is called like a berserker mode. In other words, like he killed his dad. He's like, fine, I'm going to kill my mom now too. Because she can't come home and find my dad. Right. She's going to get me in trouble. Now it's like, you know what? I'm already on a roll. Let's head up to the school. You know what I mean? Like that's my thought here is. I mean. I'm thinking if he's building bombs. Wouldn't he have, if, he, if this was the end game, wouldn't he have taken the bombs with him? Wouldn't he have right. had this big grand thing? Right. I think that there was something completely different in the works. Yeah. And he, dad, who it says he had a strained relationship. Yeah. Was threatening to send him away. And that couldn't happen because he was planning for something. God knows what. He got pissed off. He can't be sent away. He shoots dad. Then he's like, fuck, mom's going to come home and find dad. Can't have that. But he really does love mom, which is why he told her he loved her before he killed her. And then he knows if he, he can't just leave them. And so it moved up his timeline and probably threw him all off. Yep. Man, it's crazy. And in 99, when he was sentenced, was like, months from Columbine, mm-hmm. which is even sadder. So and this actually was before Columbine. Yeah. And I really think that probably what he had planned was probably worse than what happened at Columbine. Yeah. And, and if you weren't alive then, and I was just starting ninth grade when that happened and you were at college, right? I was out of high school. I was in co- I remember when it happened, I was actually driving down Parmer Lane. Mm-hmm. I heard it on the radio, and I couldn't get home fast enough to watch it on the news. Yeah, it was a, uh, this was our, where were you when Kennedy was shot? Where were you when 9-11 happened? Where were you when Columbine? It was very, like, a, what, a, what milestone moment, I guess, mm-hmm. in, in history for us, and it's not great. Because, also because until then, school shootings weren't, as much of a thing as, unfortunately, they are today. and Exactly, right? Like, these other ones I talked about, I didn't even know they, they had they happened. They had happened, right. Because it was literally like a one-off. Right. Like, at the time. Right. And now, unfortunately, we're at an everyday basis, which is truly disturbing. Well, truly. Um, yeah. Jeez. And I think that's the drawback of social media having everything at our hands right now that's why you don't know about these other school shootings that's why you didn't hear about kip and what he did in oregon Mm -hmm. that's why we had never heard about these things because we didn't have the news the social media everything at our fingertips now immediately and also back then they started the narrative unfortunately 
of glorifying these guys. Mm-hmm. And the news media made it seem like these guys were loners who were misunderstood and all the popular kids were dicks to them. And in the case of the Columbine boys, that was not the case at all. Actually, they were the bullies. They were actually the bullies in the school. <laughs> well, what has always stuck with me when it comes to that, because I watched the documentary, mm-hmm. and what always stuck with me is listening to the 911 call, and I don't know which one of their fathers it was, called the police and said, I think that's my son. Which which then, again, I'm sorry, Dad. You, If you knew... Yes. Why are you allowing these children? And this is why, like the other kid who recently, and his parents were recently charged. I'm like, yeah, dude, they're under your roof, man. You're allowing them to get away with some of these things. I'm not saying every parent in these situations is culpable by any means. Some of them are not. Some have no clue. Correct. But in cases like that, where that family, in the most recent case, literally, the mom told the son, don't do it via text. Come on. Yeah. You knew. Yeah. And you let him go back to that school. Yeah. So, yeah. There needs to be some consequences. Yeah. I mean, that has just been the one thing that has always stuck with me. When you watch the documentary and you hear, you hear the dad on the phone with 911 saying, I think that's my son. Like, you're like, if you think it's your son... How are you allowing this to happen? Right. It's, there's Why so Why didn't much. you get him whatever help he needs to prevent this from happening? Yeah. And, and to go back to what you were saying, like about Kip in particular, my personal view on him, it's a little column A and B. He should have kept getting the mental health care and still kept taking the Prozac as well as, no, he should not have been allowed to get and or have his parents purchase him guns. Like, both of these things need to have been happening at the same time in order for him to not have done these things. I mean, he was not even 18 years old. Right. Make your kid take their meds. Make them yeah. go to their psychologist appointments. Like, why, why did this stop? I don't know. There's so many questions. And again, we don't want to victim blame because who, they, these parents may have just been extremely naive. They could have just been like, oh, it's fine. Like, my dad bought me guns. And I'm fine. Look at me. I'm a successful member of society. Or whatever. We don't know the full context. And again, we're not victim blaming. It's just a lot of this is preventable, unfortunately. Yes. In this I, case. You know, I mean, like I said, yes, he was getting guns on his own. But how can he really feel like getting guns on his own is wrong when his dad is purchasing guns as well? Right. Making it seem like it's totally acceptable and normal. So then when he gets one from a friend, he's like, well, yeah, I got this one from a friend. Who cares? Because my dad bought me this one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know that made me feel real icky. Made me feel better. So I'm going to make you feel better with today's treasure child, Sophie Cruz. And she, you may remember this moment. Okay. So, let me know. Sophie Cruz was born on December 17, 2010, in the U.S. to Raul and Zoila Cruz. Zoila, I love that. I know, did you love that name? I really do. Like, I'm not being sarcastic this time like I was with Velda. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, no, Zoila, I love Z names anyway, and Zoila is a beautiful name. It's gorgeous. She has one sister who was also born in the U.S., and their father had been working in the U.S. for 10 years by 2015 as an undocumented worker in a factory. He would work nights from 4.30 p.m. to 3 a.m. I'm just saying those are my dream hours, so I wouldn't have to see people. (laughs) You'd probably enjoy this quite a bit. I actually have asked 
both my bosses and two of the owners of my company if I can work midnight to 8 a.m. I've been turned down all four times. You would get a lot more done. Nobody talking to you, no phones ringing. And then you're the night shift and they're the day shift. And you're like, bye. Exactly right. And then they were like, well, you have to be here during the day because people need you. I'm like, okay, how about this? How about 3 a.m. to noon? There you go. Yeah. And then you get a half day, technically. Go mm-hmm. home, take a little nap. Have the rest of your day. I was still turned down. Ah, damn. Well, he was able to work at a factory during those hours. Yeah. And if you could tell, Zoila and Raul are not U.S. citizens, but their two girls are. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to get mad at some point, aren't I? You're going to get a little angry, but it will come back around as a positive in our country for once. Okay. So her and her sister obviously fear for their parents deporting, right. being deported at any one given time. And considering she was born in 2010, in 2015, she was six years old. Yes. She just turned six. And just so a little frame of reference here. As of the first half of 2019, according to the Department of Homeland Security, they, quote, sought removals of 10,513 aliens who claim to have at least one U.S.-born child. ICE obtained 4,104 orders of removal for those in that group. So 4,4100 parents were removed from their children in the first six months of 2019. Yes, because um, we need more children in our foster care system. Absolutely. It's a perfectly well-done system that's not broken at all. Nope. We have plenty of um, CPS workers. And we know exactly where all those children are. Yes, we do. They're in cages. <laughs> yeah. And just so a little bit of history here. Back in 2015 in the United States, DACA was up for renewal soon. And there was a lot of rhetoric being thrown around about how the U.S. shouldn't fund these children of undocumented workers. For those that don't know, DACA is the Deferred Action for Children or for Childhood Arrivals, where, quote, certain people who came to the United States as children and meet several guidelines may request consideration of deferred action for a period of two years subject to renewal. They are also eligible for work authorization, meaning they can stay here for two years as long as they aren't, you know, committing any crimes or going to school or if they're of working age working and then you just kind of re-up every two years. Yeah, in the United States. And it's for the children of, of parents who either brought their kids here or their kids were born here and now are U.S. citizens, but their parents are not. And the idea was, let's give these kids a chance, which is the, the like, social impact part of it. The back I mean, end of it is... So here's where I have a problem. If they're born here, they're citizens, why do they have to renew anything? Well, I think as long as they're they're citizens, you should be good. I think DACA is more for the parents, the, the the kids who are brought here, not born here. Okay, more for that. Um, I obviously haven't had to sign up for DACA, so I also have a link if you or anyone you know does need to. By the way, um, but it's interesting because <laughs> DACA also brings in billions of dollars in revenue for the United States. I of think it's something it like $2 billion from these children who are working and bringing in tax revenues, guys. They bring mm-hmm. in a shit ton of money for mm-hmm. the U.S. So it's not really a good idea to cancel it. For If we're just looking at the money alone, 
right? Which, yes, because you know what? People only care about money. Yep. They don't care about human beings. We are a capitalist country, so yep. And again, whatever side you land on, we can all agree that babies shouldn't be removed from their parents' homes and from their parents. And her being, what, six years old and her younger sister being, oh gosh, I think she was like two, three at the time. Not a great thing. So whenever Pope Francis was visiting Washington, D.C. in September 2015, her family traveled from Los Angeles all the way to D.C. to meet him, going, okay. fuck. Yeah, it's a huge trip. It's all the way across the country. Um, And Sophie planned on giving him this drawing with, like, a letter written on the drawing of, like, her and the Pope and everything to bring awareness to this issue. Mm -hmm. And... On the drawing in Spanish, it she wrote, "My friends and I love each other, no matter our skin color," mm-hmm. which is so cute. And when she first tried to get to the Pope, he was denied. You know, he's got security; he's in a Pope mobile. And then she tried again, and her dad like put her over the little barrier, you know, mm-hmm. held her up and handed it to him. And and he stopped and was like, "Oh, hey," and noticed her obviously. Mm-hmm. And this got some news because, of course, the news was there. Of course. Yep. And a couple months later, she was actually able to then visit the White House on Cinco de Mayo 2016. Well, her parents were not able to attend, from what I understand, because of their immigration status. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So she was able to visit the White House, and obviously she was assisted. You know, somebody was there to take care of her. But her Mm -hmm. parents had to wait outside, like, at a hotel nearby. Of course they did. So her mother said while she was waiting for her, quote, it breaks my heart. I'm dying. Imagine all those families separated by deportation, like actually separated versus I'm just waiting for my daughter for a couple of hours. Yeah. Obama stated at that event in uh, May 2016 that he, quote, vowed to keep working on this, not just as president, but as a citizen once I'm leaving here, because I think it's one of the most important things we can get done. And this was May of 2016, everybody. This was months before November of 2016. Mm-hmm. And then January 2017. Mm-hmm. Now, it might seem like Sophie's like a plant, you know, like adults are telling her to do these things and all of that to get the political agenda across. But apparently, she's kind of always been precocious. She loves to learn and is, uh, she even wrote Obama a letter during that event that she gave to him along the same lines which i think is so cute um she also does like those mexican folk dances oh folklorical yeah she does folklorico i know i love it you should be impressed that i could say that word hell yeah girl folklorical proud of you i love seeing folklorical me too it's beautiful um and i love like all the colors and all Mm -hmm. the it's just incredible um And then returning from her Cinco de Mayo visit, she said, quote, I saw the president. He gave me his autograph. And she brought her parents back empanadas made at the White House. (laughs) I mean, let's just say the White House empanadas probably ain't got nothing on her mama's empanadas. Probably not. But still pretty freaking cool, right? Yeah. Oh, I can fetch back some food, you know. Um, And while DACA has had its ups and downs, y'all can research it. If you've lived it, you've heard it. And... Through the previous administration, some dark times, it's currently still in effect. And I'll include a link on our blog, like I said. 
And when someone asked her, like, how did you get the courage to meet the Pope? Because, you know, a lot of people around. Yeah. And plus, it's like this huge guy. He's Everybody knows who the Pope is. She said, God made me like that. Oh, yeah. She's such as cute as a button. <laughs> yeah. So Sophie Cruz, if you're still out there, still advocating for, you know, immigration rights, please don't stop. Um, no, be, what, the future needs you. Yeah, she'd be 12 now. You know, I just had a conversation with um, Emily, who does our tattoos, Yeah, yesterday. And we were talking about how people in her generation now are like, not having kids and it's unusual when people want kids and she was telling me how like I'm not gonna tell her story never mind but we were having this conversation and she was saying I feel like people my generation should want to have kids to combat and change the world Mm. to their viewpoints rather than not have kids and let Things maintain the status quo with these stupid ass social norms that we have now. Right. Basically, Basically summing up that like that's just like a quick little summary of the conversation we had. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like that argument of, you know, evil triumphs when good men do nothing, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, why would you basically why would you want to have kids and bring them into this world? Right. Because if I have kids and raise them with my beliefs they can then change this world. Right, exactly. And again, having a child should be something you would you want to do. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Should never be an obligation. I know that's not what you were saying. No, 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 no. By no. any means. You're just, but it's like, if you are going to have kids, it, don't be afraid of bringing them into the world how it yeah, is right now. It's, it's the people who say, well, why would I want to bring a child into this world? Right. It, and that's a totally understandable argument. <laughs> it's the whole, I want kids, but I don't want to bring them into this world. Yep. Because you raise your child with your beliefs right. and then they in turn change the world. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So there is hope for the future, I will say. I mean, honestly, just the few kids that we've done so far. I mean, I am very much more hopeful for our future than I ever have been because I see them. Yeah, there's a, a bunch of them that don't have very progressive beliefs of course there's always going to be those people but it's getting us it's a smaller and smaller fraction Mm -hmm. of society that doesn't want to move forward and the majority does right which is really nice and refreshing and also it's cool to see them so active politically at such young age yes keep going if you're out there in your gen z definitely register to vote i mean don't stop it's just social media Put your money where your mouth is and, and get out there and vote because trust me, it will make a difference. And for those of us, hello, living in red states, but don't vote red, encourage your friends that don't vote red to not move out of the state. And that sounds shitty. I get it. If you need to move because of personal and professional reasons, totally understandable. But the way our electoral college is set up, we actually need you to stay to help change the narrative in our own states too. The majority vote because of how gerrymandered our states are for the most part. So I encourage you, if you are one of those people, stay. So you're saying I can't move to New Zealand. I know, same. We got to stick around. We got to stick around. I know. (laughs) Great. I know. It's okay. We'll get there eventually. And then we'll live at Hobbiton. They made it. I mean, it's a real place. It's fucking I don't know what that is. What? It's like the Hobbit's. You know, the, like, where they live inside the hills with the doors? 
Oh, okay. It's great. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for listening. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.